Every time I'm in a setting like this, I picture Jesus and uh, 5,000 families gathered around him. I don't know how he did it without a microphone. But he did. Um, so one of the things, uh, I'm really just wanting to give you a frame of mind again, um, like we did last week. So I'm going to put these chairs back up here again for us to get this into our heads. Just think of last week as an introduction point to what I was trying to say, but I just want to remind us, again, there's this picture here. Most of us growing up, and I did this Friday with uh, our faculty, and I set it up just like that, just like I did last Sunday. I set it up with our faculty, and I asked them, I said, I said, so before we even begin, I want to say that this represents Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I'm going to say this chair over here just represents the all-powerful, magnificent guy. And I said, when you think about, are you here? Most of them go to church. And I said, so when you go to church, your whole life, when you hear the Genesis 1 story, God created, He spoke. And we have this in our mind in some form or fashion. We have framed it up in our brains what that might have looked like, Right? And so it says, and he spoke, let there be light. So we got this picture most of the time, or I did growing up, that he said in this thunderous voice, right? It's just nothingness. And he said, let there be light. And boom, <laughs> it came, right? And I asked, I said, so when you picture the Genesis 1 story and God creating all that, are you picturing? I said, even though most of you probably have a background enough to know subconsciously, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working this thing together, right? Subconsciously, you kind of know that if you've even read your Bible. I said, but most of the time when you picture that story, do you picture that or you just picture God on His magnificent being way up in the sky shouting out this commands and it obeying? And I said, raise your hand if you picture this one over here. Zero people raise their hand. Everybody raised, well, one part, I think Julie slightly raised her hand, but she had an up on the story. So, <laughs> so this was, uh, this was, everybody raised their hand on that one. Which just goes to show you why I want to continue this, because if our whole lives we have trained our brains to think a certain way, it's probably going to take more than one sermon to retrain it the right way, right? When Jesus comes on the scene, John the Baptist is already preparing the way. And what is John's message? Repent for the kingdom of All right. I'm glad Brent and one of Julie's awake. Anybody else awake? He said what? Repent for the Now, again, what do you think when you hear that? You think, you better get your act together, quit smoking, cussing, and drinking, or else you're going to get burned alive. Right? But the word repentance is metanoia. Change your thinking. Your perception has to shift because the kingdom of heaven is about to be here, and you got to have a new perspective if you're going to be a part of it. Right? 
So we want to change perspective. So today we're going to, our passage that we're going to sort out is Matthew 16. I'm going to read from the Passion. If you don't have the Passion, again, it's on the Bible app. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 20 says, One day some of the Pharisees and those of the Jewish sect known as the Sadducees approached Jesus, insisting that he prove to them that he was the Messiah. Show us a supernatural sign from heaven, they demanded, and Jesus answered. You can read the signs of the weather, for you say, Red sky at night, sailors delight. And red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. You're so adept at forecasting the weather by looking at the sky, but you're absolutely clueless in reading the obvious signs of the times. A wicked, a wicked and wayward generation always asks for sign, but the only sign I provide for you will be the sign of Jonah the prophet. Then he turned away and left them. Later, as Jesus and his disciples crossed over to the other side at Lake Galilee, the disciples realized they had forgotten to bring any loaves of bread, and Jesus spoke up and said, Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Thinking Jesus was scolding them over not bringing bread, they began to discuss it among themselves. Now, remember, we've looked at this before, and he is, that was not what he was talking about. They just obviously just can't get right. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, You have such little faith. Why are you arguing with one another about having no bread? Are you slow to understand? Remember, he done fed all those people. Have you forgotten the miracle of feeding the 5,000 families and how each of you ended up with a basket full of fragments and how seven loaves of bread fed 4,000 families with baskets left over? Don't you understand? I'm not talking about bread. I'm warning you to avoid the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What had they been asking? Show us another sign. Show us another sign. They done seen plenty of signs, right? So it wasn't that they just wanted another sign, right? They need proof. They're theological thinkers, right? They want to argue over theological debates. Religion always, religion always wants to argue over the thinking and forget the relationship. Then finally they realized he wasn't talking about yeast found in bread, but the error of the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the son of man? Who do they believe that I am? They answered, some are convinced you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah, reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke up and said, You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth, which is forbidden in heaven, and to release on earth, which is released in heaven. He then gave his disciples strict orders not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So what does this passage say about God? So we use this um, term sometimes, and um, I heard Alex say he used it with this guy the other day at work. But let me ask you this. Just think about it for a minute. If you're about to be judged, it's the end of your life, you're about to be judged. Who do you want to come sit in that courtroom chair? You want God the Father to come sit in it? Or you want Jesus to come sit in it? Raise your hand if you say Jesus. 
Raise your hand if you say God. All right, two people. Here's the deal. This is why. When we think about the Father, we're still thinking this. When we think about the Father, we're still thinking this guy over here, not these three over here. When we think about the judgment, we're thinking Old Testament, right? Fire brimstone, got to get you. Thank God for Jesus because he took my beating for me, right? So here's, here's, the, here's what I wanted to look at. Who do you say I am? That's the past, That's what he just asked him, right? Do we have to ask that question still today? Yeah, you got to. You got to ask who do you say he is or otherwise your misconception of everything, right? Because here's the deal. Most of us, by our own admission, have said when we look at the creation story, we look at it here. Most of us today, by our own admission, have said when we think about God being judge, we think it's going to be this way, but we would much rather it just be Jesus. When all actuality, they are inseparable, right? Remember when we looked at the passage last week in John chapter 1? In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I read it out of the Mirror Study Bible last week, and that word there for with is pros, which means they mirrored each other face to face. Mirroring. What does that mean? It looks no different, right? The one don't look any different than the other. Mirroring means, as in face to face, they were mirroring one another, means they looked exactly alike, right? Also inside this circle in John chapter 1 is a complete give and take of the other one. A laying down of their self to the other one, and the other one laying down his self to the other one, and it's a constant flow of love, right? Here was the thing I asked you last week. If little Rachel here is sitting in this chair, right? All by God Himself, right? If we picture, and this is the God that we're serving, and it says in in First John chapter four that God is love, then how can we say He is love if this is what our picture is? He by Himself. Then, if we buy the idea that this was Him in the beginning then we buy the idea that he needed something. Poor little thing, all alone. Right? He's so alone, he had to create all this so he wouldn't be alone anymore. That's one view. Or, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was God, and they were face-to-face in intimate connection so much that love out of the overflow of love produced and created. Isn't that the way you set you up today? Like, I don't have four kids because I needed them. You understand what I'm saying? Go ahead. I mean, I didn't need them, right? It wasn't like I, I needed them so I could pass on the family farm one day, right? But out of love, one, they were created, and out of love, they were adopted. Right? And so, out of that intimate expression, outflowed love. 
okay? Which is a multiplication. We see that in Genesis with Adam and Eve. We see it whenever Noah started over and on and on and on, okay? So, A.W. Tozer says this. Great scholar in his day. There is scarcely an error in doctrine or failure in applying Christian ethics that cannot be traced finally to imperfect thoughts about God. In other words, what he says, what we believe about God, what we believe about God affects everything else that we believe. Everything else. So if we picture that He is this and not this, how are we going to look at people at work? Who's the person here? The great judge. Right? Not the great love, because there is no love inside the circle. It is by itself. So since he's by himself, he could just, I don't like you, I don't like you. Um, only those are going to be in my fold and these. You can't come in because here I am. There is no inclusion, right? Because he is by himself, right? So if this is my view of God, then how am I going to view others? I will not be other-centered. I will be self-centered myself because I view him as a self-centered God who has to have my glory, right? He has to get my glory. And that's what you heard your whole life too? What are you here on earth for? Well, I'm here to give God glory. So I must have to go to seminary to be able to do that. Or, in this circle of love and intimacy and face-to-face communion and oneness, Love automatically flows. Right? And so in this circle, I'm not trying to give glory. I get to share in the glory. You see what I'm saying? John 17, whenever he's praying, he said, Jesus, and he said, Father, take me back to the glory that I experienced before we even created this thing. Take me back to that glory. That's why. So they can share in it. Whenever we share in this glory, Christ in me is the hope of glory. It's not that I'm trying to go around and give Him glory, got to give Him glory, got to give Him glory. When I understand I'm sharing in the glory, the glory is automatically going to show on this earth. That's good. And then whenever it's showing on this earth, what's going to happen? The glory is going to cover the earth as the water covers the sea, Habakkuk says. You see what I'm saying? So over there, I'm striving. And it's a work mentality that i got to prove myself to that man so that I get enough points to get in one day. Or so that I can do enough right things for him today so that he'll bless me tomorrow. But in this circle, we share. I'm sharing in it because I've been included in the circle. Does that make sense to you? So um, we read a book as a group uh, on a Wednesday night thing. Um, now it's been maybe last year or so. But it was Francis Schaeffer. He came up with four things. And I went back and found those four things yesterday and wrote these four things down. But I wanted, once you get this concept in your mind of how this can be distorted, one little thing can distort your whole view, right? Like toes are saying. Or just like last week. You remember last week um, with Ezra and I said he was sitting in the living room last week? He had the binoculars, but he had them turned backwards. And I was in the kitchen. He had him turn backwards, and he's looking over there at me. And he said, Daddy, why are you so far, far away? And I said, Ezra, turn him around the other way. And he said, 
Whoa, you so close. Because then I was in the face, face to face, as in a mirror. And I looked at him and he said, whoa, how does it do that? I said, it's your perception. I said, you needed new lenses. I said, one lens, I'm so far away. The other lens, I am so close. And I said, that's the same way the Father is with us. The lens that we look at the Father sometimes, or the way we grew up, was this lens that he's so far, 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 far away. When all the while, all we had to do was put our right glasses on and see that he was right here face to face all the Pulling us in. <laughs> Isn't that good though? And that's what I told him. In that moment, God just spoke to me and it was just a perfect illustration of what God trying to teach me in my own life. He teached me through my kids. But Francis Schaeffer had these four things that he said, the false view of God gives a false reality to four significant consequences. Now listen to these and picture this in your mind. He said the first one separates us from God. What happened in the beginning? Hmm? Their view shifted of God. Did God go anywhere? Did he say, all right, y'all did that bad thing? I'm going to go back to where I was. No, he's wandering around saying, where you guys at? Come on out. He went looking for them. He didn't go anywhere. Okay? Right? So the first view, misconception, separates us from God. Our view, notice what I said, separates us from God. Thinking he is way over there when all along he's still here in pursuit of us. Okay? Second thing he says, it separates us from ourselves. Psychological imbalances in people today. Sometimes they're not just chemical imbalances. Now, there are also such things as chemical imbalances in people's brains, right? And, and so people have to have therapy or, or medicines or things like that to get the chemical balance right. But here's the other side of it. Could be spiritual. Okay? And the spiritual is that view of God... If he's so far, far, far away, it also separates us from one another. Here's why. If this is my view of the Father in this single chair, what did we say? Is there love in this chair? Is there oneness in this chair? No. So now, when I'm in this chair, what do I think? I'm alone. I'm all alone. In all reality, who is the one who's over here alone? The enemy. The enemy was the one that was cast out. Not us. The enemy. And so the enemy has changed our perception so that we spend all our time thinking that this is the Father when all the while it's the enemy we're worshiping. He's the one alone. He's the one over here. By itself, making you think you're separated, right? And so when we think we're separated, how am I going to treat my fellow brother and sister? If I think I'm separated, they're going to be distant to me. I am not going to get close to those people. And I'm not going to be open. In this circle, though, remember, in this circle is open. I'm giving, pouring out. Pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. It's a constant overflow of give and receive, right? Remember, you can't receive something that ain't already been done, right? You ain't earning it. 
you're receiving something that's already been paid for. So over here in this, all the stuff we see on the news and all the, we're trying to get you against the Democrats and we're trying to get you against the Republicans and we're trying to get you against, now it's any race you can name, they try to get you against it now. It used to be back in the day just a black or white issue, right? Now it's Asians. The, the Mexican cartel, the um, Muslims, the um, yeah, China ones now, China, um, and then uh, we got the against the police. Um, now, I'm not saying there's not issues in all those things. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying there's things that don't need to be fixed inside each one of those things, right? But here's the deal. When you inside this circle over here, and you hear these issues, all of a sudden it's a laying down of your life of how can I help this brother or sister mm -hmm. right. But we, when we view God this way, this is how we see them. They need to torch them suckers now. Right? Right, money. The disciples... God, do you want, I mean, Jesus, do you want us to call fire right down from heaven right now? He's like, what do, What are you saying? You don't even know what kingdom you are, he told you. You don't know who your father is. You still view your father as this. Remember I told you, John, after a whole, all those other books are written, most scholars believe John was written last to say, all right, after all said and done, let me give you this picture and let's take you back to the beginning. John, John 1 takes you back to the beginning. Genesis to let you see this is where it started and this is what it's always been about. Right? So as Dustin and Aaron pointed out a while ago, he said on this rock, he didn't say on Simon, he said on this rock, what? This rock of perception of you are the anointed one and son. And that's where I'm going to build my church is on that rock, that foundation of God not denying its power, but receiving his power, receiving his endowment, right, of power, Matthew 28 and Acts 2, receiving that power from on high and believing and knowing you are included inside this circle as son. That's where he's trying to take us to. Third thing Schaefer says is separates us from one another. So if that separates us from ourselves, we have, and then you see how it just accumulates. Once we're separated from ourselves, now we're separated from another. Because I have that view of myself, I'm not going to be connected to one another. And the last thing is it separates us from nature, where we don't see the inclusion. Again, here in this circle, in Him, by Him, for Him, all things were created. Right? We also see in Acts, whenever he said, God was in, God the Father was in Christ reconciling the world back to him. The word is cosmos, the whole existence, the whole creation is being reconciled back to him. Okay? So in him, all things live and move and have their being. All things. All things. Right? So, if all things are included inside this circle, that means 
these trees were included inside that circle. Because out of the overflow, those trees were even created. So now I have a little bit more respect and I'm not throwing McDonald's packages out the window when I'm going down the road because I'm trying to take care of this place because I realize this is my father's place. I also realize that my father's ultimate intent is to bring his home to reside here. So I'm trying to take care of this place. Because I realize it all exists out of this place anyway. Not the fact that my wrong view, as Bill was talking about earlier, that he just going to come snatch us away and torch this baby. So therefore, it don't matter how much trash I throw out on the ground, it ain't going to matter because one day he's going to burn it up and start over. And this thing going to not exist anymore. Nope. He's bringing it all here. So you're called to be stewards of what he's bringing to this place. You see what I'm saying? So those four things, you think about how whole that is in that circle. He holy, holy, holy. Joseph Prince, thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. Inside that holy, holy, holy circle, right, is whole, is complete. So when you understand and have the perception that you are inside this whole circle, this wholeness circle, your relationships with one another, with the Father, with everybody else, and even including yourself, right, all of a sudden becomes whole. And you become a whole person going into an imperfect world. And when you do that, you're sharing in the glory, and that glory is going out all over the world. You see what I'm saying? So we have to correct this view. Paul was one that, think about his view, how much it had to shift, right? Just brief remind you. Saul, right, persecuting Christians, killing them, beating them up, taking them out of their home. Women, children, don't matter. Let's get them all, right? We also got to remember that Saul was an upcoming rise to the top. Old Testament scholar star, right? He is the elite. He is one of the best of the best. He knows the Old Testament frontwards and backwards and then some. Okay? That's who Saul of Tarsus was. And when he gets knocked off his high horse, literally and spiritually, on the road to Damascus, if you're just reading Acts, you think he just jumps right up and starts preaching. If you read the story correctly... You'll find out he spent three years by himself because he had to get his mind right. Because he's like, oh, look, I know what just revealed to me and I'm trying to make that fit in what I thought I knew in the Old Testament. Right? One thing being this. Who's got your Bible? So I'm going to give out a couple of passages. Deuteronomy 21.3. Somebody got that one? Um, Galatians 3.13. You do that one too. I got it. All right, never mind. All right, John one eighteen, Colossians one fifteen, John fourteen six through nine, John five nineteen, John twelve forty nine, John ten ten. All right, so Paul. I'm going to show you what Paul did with this verse here that Alex about to read. Deuteronomy 21.3, Paul would have knew this verse frontwards and backwards. Okay? Go ahead. So then the elders of the town near 
nearest the body shall take a heifer that has never been worn and has never been worn a yoke. Has never worn a yoke. God, let me read that again. Then the elders of the town nearest the body shall take a heifer that has never been worked and has never worn a yoke. Go to the next verse. And lead it down to a valley that has not been plowed or planted and where there is a flowing stream. There in the valley they are to break the heifer's neck. Go to the next I can't remember exactly where it is. I ain't got my other Bible with <laughs> The Levitical priest shall step forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister and to pronounce blessing in the name of the Lord and to decide all cases of dispute and assault. All right. Is, there, is that 21? Deuteronomy 21? Yeah. You want to look at it? Yeah, because I ain't got my other Bible. All right, so here, <clears throat> this is the atonement for an unsolved murder, okay? And in this part, he's talking about how the atonement, right, which is the paid for, the ransom, and all that kind of stuff. Um, he gets to the part where he is talking about um, cursed is everyone, cursed by God is everyone who hangs on a tree, okay? And so he was reading that part about um, the oxen coming down and all that. So there is, was certain, I mean, every little detail was down in that thing, okay? I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. But notice, Paul would have been a scholar that wouldn't have left out a word, right? He would have known it frontwards and backwards, and he wouldn't have left out a word. And that word says, cursed by God is everyone who hangs on the tree. Paul after he has all this revelation and he sits by himself and then he begins to write these things out, trying to correct our thinking because he's not only correcting the Jews, now Gentiles are included too and he's trying to correct our view of the Father. Now read Galatians. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed the curse completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon the tree is cursed. Did it say cursed by God? I don't care what version you got. It's not going to say cursed by God in Galatians. Why? What happened with Paul's thinking? Perception. This view of God shifted. Right? Because their view up to that point, remember? Their view all the way up until Jesus comes onto the scene is... This view of God. This is their view. The one that we said we don't want to judge us, we'd rather have Jesus judge us. Right? That's their view. Right? That's why Jesus is constantly changing their thinking. That's why John the Baptist ushers the whole thing in by saying, you must repent. Metanoia means change the way you perceive. Change the way you think. Changed your view of the Father. Because nobody in the Old Testament called him Father. Right? Jesus comes on the scene. We use this all the time. Bill Johnson says that um, Jesus is perfect theology. So if it doesn't fit your perception, whichever one, 
this side or this side, your perception of the Father, if it doesn't fit inside Jesus, is wrong theology. Right? Even if you don't understand it. Even if you, you, you say, well, I know I never saw Jesus doing this or saying this, but I remember in the Old Testament they did it. If it doesn't line up with what Jesus said or did, it's not a right thought. We have to bring it back to Him. Okay? So here's what I want us to say. To begin to change our thinking, we have to get back to that place. It has to come through Christ. So look at John 1.18. John 1.18 says, No one ever before gazed upon the full splendor of God except His uniquely beloved Son, who is cherished by the Father and held close to His heart. Now that He is... Now that he has come to us, he has unfolded the full explanation of who God truly is. So no one, it says, has ever gazed on the what? Full expression of the Father. Except who? Jesus. Now, when that's written, that's John writing that. And remember, John wrote it last. And John's saying that. So he knows that Moses supposedly got on the mountain and met him face to face. What's the difference? This said what? No one has ever gazed on the Father in his what? Full expression. Did Moses have a limited view? Did Moses have a limited perception? Yes. What does Hebrew say about that? Now you do not have that limited perception, but now you have with unveiled faces get to 2 Corinthians 3, view him. I think it's 2 Corinthians 3, face to face as in a mirror. It goes back to the same reality, right? That inside this circle, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit were in full, complete revelation of each other. In him there is no darkness, no shifting, no shadow. Inside this circle is no hint of darkness. So if there is no hint of darkness, how did he come up with the cross? It was God's plan from the foundation of the world that Jesus was slain. Not from the foundation of the world that God came up with the cross. We did that. We came up with the worst torture that we could think of to, to kill the Son of God. Because in him there is no shifting, there is no shadow, there is no darkness. Right? So if the full expression in one another, there is no hiding. That's why he told them in Genesis, why are you hiding? Come out from hiding. Who told you you were naked? I told you you were naked from the very beginning. That's how we're supposed to be. Full expression. There's no hiding. There's no shifting. There's no shadow. It is the full expression. And it says Jesus is the only one who came from that place. The fullest expression of the Father. So if we want to know what the Father is like, what do we got to do? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, right? Colossians 1.15. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. He is the true what? Portrait. The exact replica, right? One of the books that we were reading here a while back said he is like the... The 3D version. <laughs> right? We get this view of God. You want to know what He's like tangibly? What He would be like? Look at Jesus. He is the exact replica. John 14, 6-9. Jesus explained, I am the way, 
I am the truth, I am the light. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. Mm. And from now on you will realize you have seen him and experienced him. Mm. Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be all that we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. Mm. How could you ask me to show you the Father? Or anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Mm. That must be that passion verse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Now, he said in that first line of that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes, most of the time we quote, no one comes to the Father except by me. Passion version, that's why I said it must be the passion, because I heard it when she read it. Passion version corrects that word for you, but it doesn't take you as deep to know what is actually going on there. Passion version corrects that version to say, next to the Father. That word next to is the same word that we get in John chapter 1, when it says in the word was the beginning, the word was with God, with cross, face to face. No one comes face to face inside this circle until they do what? Come through Jesus. Where is Jesus? In the Father. Where is he at also? So now you have direct access, Paul says. Direct access. Now that direct access means a little bit more. Direct access no longer has to mean any more that... Let me do it like this. I kind of showed you this last week. We'll get a somewhat view of the Trinity and we'll say, yep, but that's God still up here. I believe the Trinity, but that's God up here. He's still the big guy. Jesus at his right hand because that's what the Bible says. He's at his right hand now. So he's down here on the right. Holy Spirit, he's just over there just kind of watching, looking, seeing doing his own thing. We don't really know what he does. Sometimes he come out to play, sometimes he don't. Depends on what, what denomination you at. And that's our view. And so Paul says you get you direct access to the throne of God, right? To believe you receive whatever you ask for, right? That you have direct access. And most of the time we believe when we have direct access and it still looks just like this. We get to go down there at the throne because we at the right hand with Jesus. But I'm 2,000 years later than when Jesus paid for that, so I'm 2,000 years worth of people down there on the right, and he might get to me sooner or later if I can just get over there. That's the way I always do. But what he just said was, no one comes to the Father. No one has direct face-to-face communion except through me. And now, through me, I am in you. You are in me. And you have direct face-to-face intimacy now inside the circle. That's what he just was saying to you. This is what's available. When? When you die? No. Right now. This is available. Right now. John 5, 19. Truth. The son is able to do anything for himself or through his own initiative. 
Jesus said, I can only do what what I see the Father do. So he didn't do anything on earth that he didn't already see who doing it? Father. John twelve forty nine. Not only did he do only what he saw the Father do, he only said what he heard the Father say. That's why we get to know exactly what the Father's thinking and doing. Right? John 10.10 10. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Hmm. When our perception is this God over here, this is how we still get confused. If God caused the storm, if God caused the murder, if God caused the rape, if God caused the cancer, this is the view that still gets us confused. Right? Conversation I was having with that friend this past week at work. Well, who caused the sicknesses? Well, both of them do, he said. Why is that our first go-to? One, is because it's told in your church that both of them cause it. Now, who can look up a passage for me real quick in the four Gospels and show me where Jesus said, for you to learn this lesson, I'm going to put the sickness on you. You can't find it because it's not in there. What about the storm? Did Jesus rebuke the storm? Or did he say, storm come into being? Alright, now stop. He rebuked it. So one thing that you got to know also, according to your view is, you got to be able to decipher what's from God and what's not from Him. Because if you can't decipher, well, if this God trying to teach somebody a lesson right now, so this is my view, remember? It's my view. Is this guy trying to teach somebody a lesson right now? Or is this a work of the enemy? And inside this circle of love, that crap don't exist. And so if that crap don't exist, it don't exist inside this circle. And therefore, to come inside this circle, it's got to be burned through fire of love. And anything that's not of love's kind can't get in this circle. So whenever I'm viewing God in this way, and I say all that crap because that's what it is, <laughs> Jesus didn't have to walk around like this, guys. If this was his view of his Father, he would have to walk around in all those sicknesses and all those encounters that he had to encounter, right? He didn't walk around saying, well, is this God or is this God? Did you do this God or is this Satan? Which one of y'all did this? I got, yeah, because I, I mean, if I got a, if, if it was from you, then I can't rebuke it. But did he do that? Why? Because he didn't come from that. He came from the full expression. He's the only one that knows the full expression of the Father. He's the only one. And because he's the only one that's in the full expression of the Father, 
he knows what's of his father and he knows what's not of his father. And he says, my father came that you may have life and have it to the overflow. Overflow. Why to the overflow? Because when I'm inside this circle, when I'm inside this circle, I'm sharing in the love, but I'm also sharing in the glory. And when I'm sharing in the love and I'm sharing in the glory, it can't help but be a river bursting out of my belly. You understand what I'm trying to say? So Jesus says, beware of this leaven that will affect your whole loaf. It will affect your whole loaf. It will affect your whole perception becomes your reality. Whether you're going to be effective in the kingdom, whether you're going to be effective at home, whether you're going to be effective at work. Because none of that said all problems don't exist anymore. It didn't say that because you're inside this circle, you're never going to face something. No, it says because I'm in this circle, the things that I face never affect me, basically, in my mind, my will, and my emotions because I know I'm in perfect peace and in perfect love in this place. And I know that because I'm in this circle, that thing over there will be taken care of. And he's going to walk me through. So let's close our eyes. Ah, uh, but we want a correct view of you. We ask for a correct lens to see you through. And Father, we confess that we don't know everything. We confess that we don't, we can't make sense of everything in our own little minds. But you said you have an answer for that. You said, come as a child. And the child believed simply because they were told. And so we believe because you said we are included. No one comes to the Father except through you, face-to-face communion. And we are in you and you in us now. And so, Father, we're asking for fresh new insight to go beyond our mental capabilities, to go directly to our heart. That the person that turns within, the veil is removed. And where the freedom of the Lord is, there is freedom. Father, help us to see that we are inside that circle. That you are not distant, that you are not far away. Change our thinking until you become our reality. God, we repent. We change our thinking from the view of the Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, but even your disciples. Had thoughts that were not correct about you. And we know and we admit right here today, we admit and come to you and say, we've had views that are not of you. And we we want the correct view.
God, we are sorry that we have um, even misrepresented you at times. Because we thought we were 100% correct. Help us to be people who are more concerned about being in right relationship instead of just being right. And as we share in your glory, may your glory be revealed to the ends of the earth. We surrender ourselves to you. This week, you shine through us. As we are in face-to-face communion with you, and in you there is no darkness, no shadow, and so in us there is no darkness, there is no shadow, and we shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for coming today.